Okay, everybody, we're here for our second podcast video, Amazing Grace, Chronicles of God's Grace. Uh, I'm Neil, that's Randy. We got Ralph with us tonight. Ralph's going to share his testimony. Hopefully, Randy will share some more of his. I'm just going to be quiet and sit out of the way and just be an ornament. I may interject, I don't know. But we got Ralph with us, and... uh, Ralph's awesome. He does a lot of work here at the church. He's, he's just awesome. And that, that's how I met Ralph was through this church. And he, he's just been so awesome. So You've been a good friend, Neil. He, he, well, you've been a good friend, Ralph. And he's been with Randy for, what was it you said, 14, 15 years? That's a bit of it, Ralph. So, and the cool thing is Randy is the one that led Ralph to the Lord. Which is, which is kind of awesome that they've been able to stay together that long. Uh, the person that led me to the Lord, he's done gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, he and I had different theologies, so we didn't stick together as close as Randy and Ralph has. <laughs> but that's neither here nor now. So Ralph, tell us how a little bit about your backstory. Hi guys, I grew up in uh, Coldfields of West Virginia. I started drinking at 13. There was nothing else to do. Uh, it was missing school every day. If you, you could always buy money to get a beer or a quarter beer. And that went on for several years until we moved to Tazewell, Virginia. And then I went back to school. And I started drinking all through high school. From the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, I drank all the way through. The first job I got was working at an Exxon station, and I could drink all day long, and nobody said nothing about it because I only drunk itself. I worked there for several years, and then went on to get another job with electrical contractors. And guess what? I could drink there too. I just mixed vodka and orange juice in the thermos bottle, and I could drink all day long, and nobody paid no attention to it because they needed people so bad. I worked for them for several years, and I just kept on, kept on, kept on drinking, drinking, drinking. And I went to, uh, I went to work on the railroad. And that was just the same, same story. We were in Maitwan, West Virginia, all by ourselves, and we could do whatever we wanted to do. And it was just drink, drink, drink. Ten hours a day, you were drinking. And nobody, you didn't even have a supervisor. They wouldn't even check on you. They just took your word for it that you were working. I ended up in rehab because I had drunk so much that my blood pressure and everything had shot up and everybody was expecting me to die. And I got out of there, I started drinking right when I went come out the front door, my buddy had picked me up and he had something to drink and we started drinking. And then this went on for several more years, just drinking every day, working here and there, just working enough to get by, get some money to drink on. It took a toll on my marriage. My wife had left me. And it just gave me another excuse to drink, poor pitiful me. And I just kept on drinking. I drank so much. I quit drinking beer and turned to vodka. And vodka was, it, it was doing a trick at first, but after you drink so much of it, you just get immune to it. That was, that was close around the 80s. And uh, I didn't believe, I didn't believe in going to church. I didn't believe in nothing like that because it just wasn't for me. I had to quit doing stuff if I went to church. 
letting go. You know, I'm about 92, and my dad shot my mom and shot himself, and they gave me a bigger excuse to drink. And that's all I've done for several years was drink. I didn't work. I just had money come out my butt and didn't, didn't need anything, so I just drank. I ended up in rehab in Lebanon at the Laurels, and it made me stay 30 days because my blood alcohol was so high and I was suicidal and everything. So I stayed there for 30 days, but they didn't do no good. I got right back out and started drinking again. And that's all I believed in was drinking. Nobody was going to change that. So I ended up, my health was deteriorating, and I ended up at the hospital. And they sent me to see a psychiatrist at Cumberland Mountain. And I went there, and they put me on medicine, which I'm still on. And I seen a counselor there by the name of Jimmy Widener. He told me to go see a buddy of mine, Randy Keene. I thought, what the hell does Randy Keene know about drinking that I don't know? So I went to see Randy. I said, I'll go in the back of the church and listen to him preach. And it didn't do no good. But something stopped me told me to go back a second time. I said a little closer to the front. And then something told me to stand a little closer to the front, get all the way up in front. So I did. And I met Randy Keene. And he told me there was more to life than just drinking and drugging and abusing. But I didn't believe him. But I kept going back to see him. And he led me, showed me God's way would be the only way to survive. So I took Randy to be a dear friend. I've known Randy for almost 17 years. And he led me to the Lord. And I have been sober 17 years. Amen. 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 You know, Ralphie was telling one time, listen, he'd tell you a story, he was talking about you'd come in from somewhere out of town working and come into the house and had found your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. For me, I think. Stuff like that, because one of the things we're trying to do, I think Neil do with this podcast, is to show people that there are some things that we go through. Hmm that keeps us pushed out into the water. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I mean, it makes us worse, it makes us failure mode harder, it makes us drink harder or, or drug harder or whatever. Well, that should have changed my life for the best, finding them, but it didn't. It just made it worse, because I, I had a crush that I could lean on. I can't imagine, I mean. Yeah, because I mean, you know, if you were the one that seen your mother and father. They were terrible, she was shot. She was shot this way and took out, she was shot, she was shot up this way through the jaw and took out all this. Mm. My daddy shot himself in the temple and took out his whole face across the front. Mm. Neither one of them could be opened at the funeral. Mm. And see things like that, people, because one of the things me and Neil or I focused on last time was people can see people walking down the street or they'll see people in a certain condition they'll start judging that guy. Yeah, I mean. And it's easy to sit there and judge somebody if you don't know, like we were saying, that that man's been through some stuff that if you don't meditate some kind of a way, it's hard to sleep at the night thinking about all this. Yeah. And, and, and I always, I mean, when me and my wife are out or, or me and my daughter are out traveling around, and, you know, I mean, even here in our little area, we're starting to see it more and more uh, 
I mean, I was just in Bristol the other day with my daughter, and there was a guy standing right there next to an on ramp to the interstate. And I mean, it was, I think it was about 25 degrees is what the truck showed that day. And he, all he had was a blanket wrapped around him. I don't know if he was homeless or not. And, and she asked me, she said, do you think that guy's homeless? And, you know, the conversation went a little farther. And, and I told her, I said, you, you can't really look at that person and judge their situation because you don't know what they've been through that got them to this point. And, you know, my wife, she's a teacher and she exercises that philosophy with her students. And, I, and looking back on it, I wish a lot more teachers would adopt it. You know, because you don't know what these children face when they go home from school, what they're bringing with them to school. You know, what, you know, like what Ralph said, he walked in and found his parents, you know, one murdered and one killed, killed herself. You don't know what kind of baggage people were packing around. And I learned that the hard way. Uh, I didn't mean to get into a little bit of my backstory, but I come up in a hardcore Pentecostal holiness background where, you know, we were basically taught to judge them people. You know, it's like, oh, don't be like them old drunkards and all this and that. And it, it was hard for me to break out of that shell to not judge a person by the situation they were in. And it actually took me getting in a situation to help really break a lot of that off of me. And, you know, Rand, again, Randy was one of the ones that helped, helped me when I was in that situation. And, you know, and Randy and I, we had multiple conversations during that time frame. And one of the things that he taught me was addiction don't have to be to drugs or alcohol. Addiction can be anything that's gonna come between you and God that you feel like you just gotta keep doing. And, you know, that that was so eye-opening for me, you know, because I, I come from the mindset you judge an addict. And then, you know, that was the mindset that I'd been taught. And all that, it was like, I was kind of like Paul. Scales just fell off my eyes when he told me that. And now, I mean, I'm not patting me on the back or anything. I see somebody like that, I, I just, I start saying, man, I wonder what got him to that point. And if I can help them, I try to help them. And, you know, we pray for them. I don't know how many times I've had my wife maybe go to McDonald's and get coffee and stuff. And I can think of one incident, and I'll tell this, and then I'll, I'll let Randy and Ralph talk some more. But I just feel like sharing this. We were up at Claypool Hill, and, and I know a lot of people, if, if you're from this area, you know where Claypool Hill is. If you don't, it don't matter. But that's where we were. And there was an intersection, you know, you could go straight, you can go left and right. And there was two guys there holding up a sign saying they didn't have any money, didn't have a job. And it, it wasn't really bitter cold, it was about 35, 40 degrees. And so I, I told myself, I'll be right back. McDonald's was just like the next turn. We went to McDonald's, got them, some, got them two meals, Cokes, and uh, I said, yeah, give me two coffees too. So we pull back up, and I mean, it's a busy intersection. They're like, I'm gonna get hit in the high end helping these guys. And the guy come over to the truck, and I handed him the food, and as I was looking at him, he had 666 tattooed on his forehead and a pentagram. And the Pentecostal in me just wanted to say, big on, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the Jesus in me was like, you help them. You, you feed, 
you feed me when I don't have food. You clothe me when I was naked. Those verses come to mind. And I said, here you go, man. I was like, uh, I hope you like Big Mac. I said, everybody does, I guess. I said, here's some coffee, kind of warm you up. I said, I don't have a lot of cash, so I'm just going to feed you. And my wife, being my wife, looks at him and says, God bless you. And we drove off because I didn't want to get hit. And I was like, did you see that dude had 666 on his head? I said, it's a wonder we didn't, you didn't burst into flames by telling him, God bless you. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, I have that kind of sense of humor. I'm, it's a sick kind of sense of humor that, you know, the church has to deal with. But, but I mean, I, those are incidents to me that, you know, and, and I don't, it's, I'm not telling that to brag on us. I'm just saying those are the kind of situations that sometimes God will put us in to see if we're going to feed him when he's hungry, to see if we're going to clothe him when he's naked. And to me, the, the important part of that is our reaction to it. Do we judge that person by their situation or do we give them a hand up and say, come on, God loves you. And, you know, we love you. And sorry you got 666 tattooed on your forehead. But, you know, and, and obviously that guy had a lot of baggage to go to have all that done on his face and whatnot. And I didn't have time to go into it where I was. And I'm probably not capable of understanding some of it. But that, you know, it's situations like that that we find ourselves in. And it's at the oddest times that they hit us. I don't know if they're like it with you all or not. It seems like when I I open my wallet up and I look in there and all I see is dust, that's when those situations hit me. Amen. (laughs) But I always somehow find the money to help those people. Which is weird. It'll be in like the weirdest places in my truck. I'm like, I don't remember putting money there. <laughs> you know? But God's always made a way. So I'll, I'll give it back to Ralph and Randy. I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I wasn't trying to take over. Well, how many would you say rehabs or psych wars or anything like that that you've been to? 15. 15 different ones. 15 different ones. All the way from. Wow. All the way from. Uh, Grown up to Ohio, to Lebanon, to Johnson City, to Bristol, and I was locked up in Marion State Hospital for about 39 days. And then when they let me go, I had to go to a halfway house in uh, Castlewood for a year. And I stayed there for about a year. And I I stayed sober a year and 39 days. But then I started drinking again once I got out because that's what I wanted to do. And it just led me right back to another rehab. And I needed something in my life to turn me around. I mean, I, I was getting some age on me and I wanted to slow down. And when Mr. Widener asked me to go see Randy Keene, it's just like I said, I thought, what the hell does Randy Keene know about drinking? And I don't know. And Randy didn't know nothing. I mean, he was, he was, he was, preaching to 70-some people about the effects of alcohol and drugs. But he was preaching to all them. He wasn't preaching to me. <laughs> and it was, it was really hard. But once I accepted Christ in my life, things started to change for me. And they really have. I've got more friends. I've got more money. I've got more people who care about me. I've got more people who trust me. I had my driver's license. I had two DUIs in about 10 years apart. 
And when I went to, I got a letter out of the mail one day, this was been about two years ago, saying that my license was going to be suspended in Virginia because I had two DUIs I had to clear up. One was in Georgia, which cost me $1,500. One was in North Carolina, which cost me about $1,700. I cleared those up and got to keep my license. That was just part of the drinking. I didn't care. I just run from it. I didn't go to court or anything. I just run from it. Once I got the ticket, I just disappeared. And you know, Ralph, when we're in that kind of a shape, here's the thing that gets me, is 99.9% of the people that should be running to us is running no, away from us. us. That's the way it was with me. And instead of speaking into our lives, the only thing we ever hear them say is the judgment of us. Yeah. But I mean, Neil knows Ralph now. I've been fortunate enough to know Ralph for many years. Neil has probably known Ralph for about the last six months, ain't you, Neil? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better friend. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. You know what I mean? I mean, how valuable has Ralph been to this church right here? I mean, we couldn't be sitting where we're sitting right now. Yeah, this very building. Without Ralph, and... Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel guilty because I didn't put the amount of time that Ralph does in. And so, yeah, I just had more time than you did, Neil. Don't feel bad about it. And, and you know, I mean, Ralph—he's laid the floors in this place. He's painted. He's cleaned. I mean, if, if we had done a before and after yeah. of this very room we're sitting in, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. You would be like, they should have condemned that place. He's the biggest part. I mean, uh, the reason this building's in the shape it's in today, yeah. this is the old Jay Walkers. Before we moved in here, this was a cabinet making shop. <laughs> so you can imagine how much dust was in here. Yeah. I mean, it was up to the ankles in the floor. Yeah, they evidently didn't have an exhaust for it. It just <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you can you can imagine, you know. And here's the point that I was trying to make with all of that. People don't see when a man's in that shape. No. But this is who the man really is. Yeah. But somebody's got to help that man get from there yeah. to here. Exactly. Out of, out of you know, all the, the psych wards and, and, and the rehabs and everything, I, know, I already know the answer to this before I ask the question, but what would you say was the biggest help for you as far as quitting drinking and just taking the want to away. Randy King. Because? He was, he just, his voice crackled when he spoke. <laughs> oh, he's getting old. He made you cry. Even though you didn't want to, you still cried. And this man had something that I wanted. Once I got to know him, he had something I wanted and I wanted bad. And it's just hard to explain what it was. But I know now what it was. It's the feeling of Christ in your body. It will change your whole life, people. You don't need all those things anymore. You don't give up. You gain a lot. You give up something, you gain a lot through Christ. You gain a lot. You just wouldn't believe what you gain. It's different friends, different people. You can still keep your same friends, but you can't, you can't party with them as much. <laughs> and you know, this place, it's called the place of grace. And I have all the grace in the world. I want to go to heaven. I want to see my parents again. I want to see my sister again. I want to see my grandparents again. I want to see everybody that's going on before me. I want to go. And I'll do whatever it takes to get there.
You know, the thing about it is, <coughs> there's a story in the Bible that probably fits us all. I know it for sure fits probably me and you, Ralph, and probably many others that's watching this. I hope it fits your life. But it's, it was a Gadarean man, and the Bible records that Gadarean man as saying he was a man. He slept in the tombs of dead people, cutting himself day and night and crying out. And the thing that gets me about that Gadarean man is they was chasing this guy to chain and fetter him. Or in today's language, we would say they was chasing him to cuff and stuff him. And it said that that didn't help him, but he only grew worse. It made him worse than he ever was. Sometimes cuffing and stuffing ain't the answer to everything because it made the guy worse. But it said that they was, Jesus was already on the shore in the water on a boat heading to the other side to where this Gadarean man was. And the scene when Jesus showed up was a totally changed scene. It said this man ran from all the people that was on this island where Jesus went to. But all of a sudden, this guy seen something different in this man that got off this boat and walked up on the shore. Because instead of running from him, he ran to him. He must have seen something different about that guy. When Jesus stepped out of that boat, that guy had been running from everybody on that island, but this one particular man, he decided to run to him. So evidently, he seen something in this one guy that the rest of the island didn't have. And to me, if, if I could say the one thing he probably seen from a distance in Jesus was somebody that had some compassion. Because it said the man ran to Jesus and fell down on his feet. And it said Jesus looked at the man and spoke into the demon that drove this man to this place and told him come out of him. And the demon actually spoke back and said, why you mess with us before time? bid us to go in to this lake. I mean, to the uh, swine. So it said the demon come out of him and went into the swine. Everybody always jokes that that's the first case of devil ham. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing of it was, to me, that Jesus wasn't worried about what the man was doing on the outside, but he was worried about what was going on with the man on the inside. Because I can tell you something, if you'd have seen me years ago, you'd have probably seen me and you'd probably thought, that guy ain't worth two pennies. Yeah. I don't even want him near my house. That's what people thought about me. And I wouldn't want the guy on the outside near my house anyway. But the thing that people couldn't see is this. I was a different person still on the inside. Yeah. But I just didn't know how to get him out no more. Amen. And one of the things about serving Christ is he helps us to get that that's true on the inside Amen. back out to the outside again. Amen. Yeah. And that's been the thing that happened to Ralph, it's happened to me, and it's happened to Neil. My heart was good on the inside. I would run in wild like I was on the street. I'd lay down in the mud hole with you under your car and have you work on it. But I could not get... <laughs> the demon out. Yeah, I could not get it to come out, my good to come out. And the thing about it is, it's, it's kind of like that with all of us, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, we are the Gadarean guy. I'm not trying to say that we're all as bad off as he was. But the thing of it is, the same person it took to fix him, it takes to fix us. Yeah. And one, one conversation with 
Christ. I love what he said in the end. He said, I want to go with you. Yeah. And I love what Christ told him. He said, no, you stay here. You stay here and tell them what I just did for you. Well, that's all me and Ralph and Neil's doing here today. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of places we probably like to go, but I feel like God wants us to stay here and let this town know what yeah. what He's done for us. Yeah. You know, so to, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. To me, uh, you know, when we read those stories of Jesus in the Bible, everybody that Jesus come up on that the world was saying, look at this sinner, look at this sin, what they're doing. And Randy touched on it in the last podcast, the woman taking in adultery. That was the first thing they wanted to say about her. Yeah. She's an adulterer. Look at her. They were, they were calling her by her sin, and Christ didn't do that. That's, that's what really draws me to Christ. Christ saw what was inside of her. He saw past the sin. He saw past the adultery. And he said, daughter. He called her daughter, which meant, you know, that in his eyes, God had already adopted her. And that's what happens when we come to Christ. Is Paul says we can cry, Abba, Father, which is Aramaic for Father, Abba. And, you know, it's God's your da- God becomes your daddy. And, you know, he's an ever-present help. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you if you come to Jesus, you're going to be riding around on a unicorn sucking on a lollipop and have rainbows flying out your hind end and out your ears. Don't work that way. But you got somebody that's going to help you through the tough spots. You got peace in our time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've since I've got been saved and come to understand God's grace, I have a greater peace about it when we face hard times. I mean, that, that's like not long ago, my mother-in-law, she's in her 70s, has Parkinson's, and she contracted COVID. And, you know, I guess... Ten years ago, I would have been frantic about that, you know. Oh, Lord, she's going to die and all this. But I was like, well, God's got her. She's a Christian. She believes in Jesus. She follows Jesus. He's got her. Nothing I can do about the whole situation. Don't need me turn my mind up over it. And I had peace about it. We prayed for her. Prayed that God's will would be done. And I mean, she, you can't slow her down. <laughs> she she goes she goes more than I do so you know I mean it, it's just you can have such a peace about it about things and I mean you I look at it this way and I read this somewhere I don't remember who said it but worry is a waste of energy it is a waste of time because because nine times out of ten the stuff you worry about there's nothing you can really do about it anyway no. and so what's the point. And, you know, I mean, I'll tell my wife that because, you know, she worries about stuff and, and she's a perfectionist and I'm not. So that that's entertaining when we work on side projects, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm coming around to her way of thinking. <laughs> but that's beside the point. But I, the cool thing about me, about getting to know Ralph and, and, and hear his story is, you know, We've we've traveled such different roads, but yet we've ended, ended up, up in the, the same, same destination. Place. And to me, that's that's cool that because because cool. I can't speak to the people that he can. He probably can't reach the people that I can. No. 
And I can't speak to the people that Randy can based off his life experiences, but in the same time, there's people that are going through things that I went through that I can speak to that he can't. And, and that's what God's trying to do through this. He's trying to get you, no matter where you're at, what kind of mess you're going through, and you think nobody cares. Well, there's three people that you may know or you may not know, you may have met or you may never meet. We're trying to let you know that there is somebody that cares about you. There's somebody that's compassionate. They're not looking at the mess you're in. They're looking at the you that's inside the mess. And they want to help you get out of it. Get that you out of you on the outside, as Randy said. And, you know, I mean, if, if, we, if we have to keep doing this every week, fine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm open to do it as much as God says do it. When God says stop, I'll stop. And, and I know Randy's the same way. And, you know, I mean, we have plans for other people to come in and share their story like Ralph did. But at the same time, we want you to understand that God loves you right where you are. Yeah. And we have a sign up at my house that said, Jesus, he'll meet you right where you are. Because my wife, you know, she wanted a word wall. And we have a privacy fence, and it made the perfect backdrop for it. Ordered some letters off of eBay, you know. We were down there the other night in the snow with a spotlight trying to change those letters out, beat the ice off everything. And, and I just wanted to say, hey, let's go up where it's warm. But it's important for my wife to put that message out there because our house is on the highway, and I don't know how many people see it. I don't know if anybody sees it. But at the same time, if it's one person sees it, and they're like, hey, he can meet me right here with this needle in my arm. I think I think I'll give give him the needle, and that it's worth it. It's and, well worth it. And and that's just that's the mission of this church. That's the mission of this podcast. Uh, you know, we try not to throw theology at you and stuff like that. Because I'll just be honest with you, I'm not a theologian. I'm a follower of Christ, and what He gives me, I just let it flow through. So. I'm not responsible for what I might say. And that clears me up on if I slip up. Guys, we just said she'd come and see us at a place of grace. Leave them with one thought. If you had to say one thing to them, Ralph, from where you was at to where you are, to where you are now. I'm a walking miracle. <clears throat> do you think God can do it for anybody? God can do it for anybody. If he done it for me, he can do it for anybody. Yeah. He brought me out of the dirt, laying on my belly. To where I'm sitting at today. Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever still want to, you have a want to for alcohol? I, taste I, I think about it, but I don't have a taste for it. I think about it all the time, but I don't have a taste for it. And I, it just comes and goes. It depends on where I'm at or what I'm doing. Yeah. And if I'm riding down the road listening to country music, well, it makes you think, well, one beer won't hurt. <laughs> yeah. But one beer leads to 200. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I think about it, but I don't have a craving for it. I hope I never do. I think God took that away from me. No, but it didn't stir anything up last night. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. No, I wanted that. I just, I just wanted people to know what he's able to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing what he can do for you. And it's like Randy always says, God loves you, Jesus loves you. And we love you. And we love you, no matter how big and bad you are. We love you. And like I said last week, we might run from you, but we're still loving you. 
Yeah, really. I mean, I, I get scared of people talking about Guys, just come, <laughs> come and see us. If this it gets out there, just come and see us. You'll enjoy yourself. Yeah, we, we have church Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and then we have our, our groups on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. We have food. We'll feed you. Give you something cold to drink. And, and it don't matter what you look like, what, what, where you're at in life, we'll bring you in, love on you, share some testimonies with you. We're straight across from the Farm Bureau, 169 Suffolk Avenue. He knows the address. See? Now we got it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> now we know the address. <laughs> I mean, me and Randy are supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> hey, I know where it's at. I can get here. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can tell, hopefully, by listening to all of us that when you come here, you ain't got to act like you got it all together. You ain't got to look like you got it all together because... Hopefully, the one thing that we're putting out there is we ain't got it all together. together. And we ain't trying to act like we we got got it all together. together. But we can say this much, and I believe Ralph and Neil both can agree with me. Neil still got stuff in his life that's all messed up. Ralph still got stuff in his life that's all messed up. And I still got stuff in my life that's all messed up. We all three still need more fixing. We're here to ask the good Lord to keep on working on us and maybe send us somebody that ain't as far as we are yet to allow us to help him work on that one. Yes. Because the thing of it is, if you come here, I don't know how you wouldn't feel comfortable because our motto is, is God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. You'll be more than welcome. And I promise you, you can come here and you feel more than welcome. You can tell by looking at us. I mean, even look at my shirt sleeve here. <laughs> Just wear what you got on. Yeah, Just wear on. what you got on, guys. We ain't worried about all of that. I like what one preacher said, you know, if if uh, if you come to church for you close and just don't come next week, just marry you close. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So we ain't, we ain't all in that category. Hopefully you can tell that <coughs> we may be a little bit different than what you're used to. But I can tell you one thing. It's a comfortable atmosphere here. It really is, guys. You need to come. Come we- see us. Like Ralph said, it's 169 Suffolk Avenue. Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Groups on Tuesday at 6 o'clock. You get your belly full at the group before we get started. And come and they say hi to us. Check us out. One good thing about it is, if you don't like us, you won't have to come back again. But I believe you'll like us. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll even go as far to say this. On Tuesdays, if you just show up for the food. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We're not going to hold it against you. We'll pass you a pizza pizza just yeah. like I would needle. So come on um, and get you something. Come on and get you something to eat, guys. I mean, you may want to hang out and see what else is going on after that. Who knows? But just come check us out. I mean, nobody's going to bite you or anything, I don't think. I always like to tell them like this, if you're on drugs or if you're on alcohol, come and give God a chance. And if you decide you don't like God, I can promise you the, the bar will always take you back. Amen. The dope dealer will always take you right back in. So you ain't lost nothing, but at least come and give him a try. Yeah. That's all we did. We gave him a try. That's it. And we kind of liked it. Yeah, we liked it. We liked it. <laughs> come, to, come for a test drive. Yeah. Well, 
Everybody done? Yeah. Good? Yeah. Well, if that's it, we'll, we'll see you next, I guess, Wednesday? Tuesday. Well, they, they go out. Wednesday. Wednesday. We're normal. <laughs> yeah. We're normal. We don't know what day. Yeah. Well, actually, next Tuesday, I'll probably be able to post this as soon as we get done. But like it and share it, you know. Share it. Help us get the word out. May touch somebody's life for the good. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.